It only takes working one shift to make a man want to uproot capitalism. This is Metropolis. Welcome to Seen and Heard. I thought you were going to say Metropolis. Welcome to Metropolis. <laughs> this is the film podcast. That's right, a film podcast. <laughs> About the sight and sound greatest films of all time list, where we ping pong back and forth between the top and bottom of the list. It's been a while since I said ping pong. Aww. Do you remember that time some you found a meme? Someone made a, it was our first meme. And I think they tagged me on Twitter of all things. And we don't know the person. And right? my twi- no, and my Twitter is very I don't even use it. I just go on there to laugh. And someone tagged me. Yeah, that was really funny. And it was about ping pong. Yes. So I've been self-conscious that I haven't said it. No, in a while. Say, you have to say it. No, exactly. Like I want to bring it back. I feel like it's been it's we been, ping pong. Yeah. You know, every time I tell someone that we ping pong, they think that it's a great idea. Yeah, you know what? It's worked well for us. It's, so it's created cool. a lot of interesting, when you ping pong, <laughs> a lot of interesting movies get paired up together. Like it, thematically. Seemingly or, randomly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is Sight and Sound. I'm Greg. I'm Jackie. And we're on the Sight and Sound this list, this week, this list, <laughs> for Fritz Long's Metropolis from 1927, Jackie. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. <laughs> We're fully in the throes of winter. I don't, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say recently, I'm going to condense the story as much as possible. But if you don't know, I run a virtual film club, Royal Film Club uh, on Instagram. It's a Zoom film club. We do it once a week. And recently we had a guy join and he had his camera off, which is fine. A lot of people kind of join and test the waters and they're like, you know, it's I, I get not wanting to put yourself fully out there. Yeah. So I kind of gave him a beat. And the first 10 or 15 minutes of film club, people just catch up because I give people time to join mm-hmm. if they're running a little late or whatever. And often the, the conversation goes to the weather. And so we're literally talking about the rain or whatever. And this guy unmeets himself. He's like, okay, but when are we talking about Johnny Guitar? <gasps> And then I was like, <laughs> I was like, hi. And I was like, oh, yeah, I give people 10 or 15 minutes. And, and then he immediately left. And then he commented on Instagram and was like, get it together next week. I joined and people are talking about oh the fucking God. rain. Stop. Are you serious? And then all these people that joined the film club started jumping on this guy. <laughs> That's like. What? Um, it's just funny because I genuinely enjoy talking about the weather. It's not just a thing that I pass the time, the past, you know, an oh, awkward conversation with. I love talking about the weather. So anyway, that's what. You should ban him. Oh, he's banned. I blocked him. Yeah. Because he kept commenting and it started getting more and more aggressive. And I was very passive about it. And I was like, hey, like, thanks for the feedback. We give people some time. If that disturbs you, maybe this isn't the right club oh for you. <laughs> And then other other people who joined started jumping on him too, and he's anyway whatever. That was a very long winded, ridiculous story. That is so funny. Your first hater. Let's yeah no, we have a good group, and everyone who joins like we get a new face every maybe yeah. few weeks, and people are cool. Like people are nice and respectful, and like we've been really lucky so far. So anyway, it was bound to happen. It was bound to happen. I just never thought it would. I know. But you know what was nice? Like seeing everyone in unison come together. Come together. And defend you. Yes. 
Don't talk about Greg like that. I felt like I was in a castle with a moat around it. Of, and... of film club, <laughs> film clubbers. <laughs> what were we even talking about? Oh, Metropolis. <laughs> Before we get into Metropolis, Jackie, what have you been watching in the last mm. week? I saw, well, I watched The Apartment on New Year's Day, and that was really Classic. nice. Classic. It was so nice. And then my other, my first new movie of the year. Oh, well, this is, I mean. It's all right. We're recording this after New Year's was May, December. Oh, okay. And I I feel a little similarly towards you. I feel like I really, I wanted to love it so much. And I, I liked it. I thought the performances were great. I actually thought Charles Melton was incredible. Yeah, he's good. Like he's really, really good. And I think that if we see him get a nomination, I would be happy. Um, it is award season, by the way. Speaking of the weather. Yes, it is. I saw Wonka with my family, and it was really interesting because I've I haven't been to like an outing with my entire a movie outing with my entire family in years. I can't tell you the last time. The Grinch. <laughs> Maybe. But it's like my sister, my brother, my dad, my mom, and my brother's girlfriend and I went we all went to the movies and it was so weird. How cute like, is that? Like when was the last time you went to the movies with your parents? Both of them? Well, <laughs> a long you time. You answer that as you will. <laughs> I mean, I think I've I think I've seen a movie with my mom and, and the, your sister? Yes, maybe in the last like 3 years. Oh, I yeah. I haven't. So that was interesting. <laughs> And then, I, like I told you, I've been watching Pen15, which is just a delight. It's so good. It's so funny. It's so good. Uh, but yeah, that's that's me. Nice. A couple very quickly. I did see Maestro, and you and I did just have a chat about this off mic. I think we have, uh, we're have on the same page. Uh, <laughs> let's just say it will not be making my best of list for the year. I saw Existence, the David Cronenberg film, that I've kind of... I stu- I've stupidly ignored for a long time. Why? Because a lot of people said it was like just like a riff on Videodrome. And I was like, why do I want to see that? It's really good. Jude Law, Jennifer Jason Lee, Willem mm. Dafoe is in it. Honestly, it's climbed to the near the top of my David Cronenberg list. Like, wow. What's number one? Um, You know what? It's been so... I just realized the other day that... It's been so long since I've seen a lot of his films. Like, long time. Like, I need to go back and rewatch Dead Ringers. And so I haven't seen some of the earlier ones. It's been a long time since I've seen Videodrome and Naked Lunch and stuff. So I need to go back. I don't know. I don't have like a single favorite in this moment, but this is great. It, nice. I genuinely did not know where it was going. And it was kind of playful and, and kind of surreal too. Like, just. Uh, Maybe, I don't want to say more experimental than the usual Cronenberg, but I just really liked it. And then speaking of Cronenberg, that sent me on a kick. I saw The Dead Zone for the first time, which he did right after Videodrome with Christopher Walken, based on the Stephen King story. And this was his like playing it straight movie, because it doesn't really feel like a David Mm -hmm. Cronenberg movie. And I really liked it. Like He does a good job like as sort of a director for hire. I don't I don't want to undersell his contribution to the movie, but it was not a project. Like he someone sought him out and were like, I think it was Dino De Laurentiis or something. Like, hey, can you direct this movie? He's like, mm, maybe. And they kind of courted him and he yeah. did it. But it's good. It's good. 
Uh, and then the last one I'll say, I saw a movie tr- called Dragon Slayer, which is a fantasy film from the early 80s that is probably most notable for its the first film that ILM did special effects for that was not a George Lucas production. And it stars Peter McNichol. You know Peter McNichol from, yeah. I think he was in Ally McBeal. Did you watch? Mm-mm. I didn't even watch Ally McBeal. That was slightly before my time, too. Like, I wasn't really, co- I was watching Nickelodeon when that was on or something. <laughs> but do you know Bean, the Bean movie? Yeah. Remember the guy that, like, shows Bean around? Not really. Anyway, yeah, he's, <laughs> <laughs> that's Peter McNichol. It's a, it's a sort of family uh, fantasy film from the 80s. Yeah. I think the 80s was the best time for fantasy in at least American movies because mm. we had so many great from the Jim Henson movies to legend and all that stuff all came from the eighties, a uh, never ending story, all that stuff. I, I, I liked this one. It's notable for having this really cool animatronic, like puppet dragon, but the movie loses steam. And by the end, it just kind of turns into a total mess. So I didn't, like that it's it's weird to like be so on board with a movie you're like yes and you're just like in it and then it just slowly starts falling apart you're like "Mm, if you just stayed on that path from earlier you would have been golden so that's me great and then i saw a little film called metropolis (laughs) so did i what a quinky dink well with no further ado let's oh (laughs) Oh. one announcement too (laughs) I know we initially said we were going to do our episode this month on the best films of 2023. Um, Did we say that? Yeah, we did say that. We said we're going to do it. But we just want a little bit more time because both Jackie and I feel like we haven't quite seen all we can see yet. Mm -hmm. So we want a little more time. So that episode will be coming probably early February. Which is fine. Just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So anyway, with no further ado, from 1927... This is Fritz Lang's Metropolis. Metropolis was released in 1927. It was directed by Fritz Long and co-written by Long and Thea von Harbaugh. The script is based on a novel by von Harbaugh, which she wrote as a treatment for the film. Music by Gottfried Huppertz. Cinematography by Karl Freund, Gunther Rittau, and Walter Ruttmann. The futuristic cityscape known as Metropolis operates on the labor of the working class who live in the subterranean worker city, running the gigantic machines that power the city above. Metropolis is ruled by Jo Friedersen, while his son, Frieder, lives a careless, lavish existence at the Sons Club, 
One day, a woman named Maria shows up to the club with some working-class children to show them how the rich live. Frieder is deeply moved and follows her to the underground. There, he witnesses the horrible working conditions, but is met with indifference by his father when he tries to report it. Frieder discovers Maria is a spiritual leader among the working class, and she preaches of a mediator who will bring them justice. Frieder claims to be that mediator, and the two fall in love. Meanwhile, his father wants to quell what he believes is a worker's rebellion and enlists the help of an inventor, Rotvang. Rotvang was in love with Friederson's late wife and has created a robot which can replicate a person's likeness in order to resurrect her. Friederson orders Rotvang to make the robot take on Maria's face in order to betray the workers who believe in her and break their spirits. Rotbang decides he will destroy Metropolis and Friederson altogether, and the robot Maria goes on a lascivious bender, leading citizens of Metropolis to all matter of sin and driving young Frieder crazy. When Frieder finds this robot Maria enticing a crowd of workers to violence, he knows it is a fake. The workers abandon their machines, leading the worker city to flood. The real Maria, having escaped Rotbang's lair, helps Frieder save the workers' children from the flood. In the city above, the workers believe that the witch Maria inadvertently killed their children, even though they're the ones that forgot them, and decide to burn her at the stake. However, they've got the wrong Maria, and the flames reveal the machine man instead. Meanwhile, the real Maria is being chased on the roof of the cathedral by Rotbang, who has gone crazy, thinking she is his lost love. Frieder defeats him and finally takes his place as the heart, which must be the mediator between brain and hands. So long movie! You you did it, though. The film stars (laughs) Bridget Helm as Maria. Alfred Abel as Jo Friederson and Gustav Froelich as Frieder. Lang was originally inspired to create Metropolis after seeing the New York City skyline for the first time in the year 1924. The film eventually ran a 5 million Reichmark budget, which is over triple the original budget, and shooting took 17 months. Mud on. I have a lot of specs because, as you said, this is like kind of a homework movie. But I feel like Kubrick, um, I know he's in the Guinness World Book of Records for longest production on Eyes Wide Shut. I don't know if it's longest American production really? or longest film. So it must have been longer than 17 months, I think. How long was it? Maybe close to two years. I didn't even know that. Imagine holding Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman <laughs> up at the height of their careers, being like, hey, you're with me now. Like Two years? <laughs> yeah, something like that. I'm going to look it up. Maybe it's just short of two years. I think we should look it up. We are academics. We need to know the facts. The shoot for Eyes Wide Shut lasted 400 days. Oh, so this was, okay, Metropolis was longer. 400 days is like <laughs> my math right now. Like 15 or 16 months? Something like that. So this was 17, you said? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Similar. Similar. And it was a very difficult shoot. There were 500 children extras, and they were actually poor, malnourished children who apparently were fed and taken care of on set. Like, they were from the poorest districts of Berlin, I believe. The flood scene in particular took 14 days to shoot, and it was like cold water, 
Bridget Helm's body was molded into a cast and the machine man suit was created. So like she had to wear that and it was really uncomfortable. She had, she's talked about like the cuts she got on her body. She's talked about the container she's in while Maria is being transferred to the machine man, uh, having no air. Like she fainted. It's yeah, it was really, really hard. Walter Schultz Mittendorf is the sculptor who designed the robot. I feel like he deserves a special shout out. Uh, Eugene Schuften is the visual effects artist who is credited with creating the miniatures of the city and the Schuften effect, which is basically, it's like how they shot the scenes where everyone looks small in the city and also the, the machine that eats people. And do you know about this? No. Do you know about the effect? So basically like a camera is pointed to a mirror but the mirror has an archway in it. And so the actors are on the opposite side of the archway. They're visible. But then against that mirror, the miniature is reflected. Oh, cool. So it's like, oh, yeah, wow. it's a really cool trick. So you get people who look very small and these miniatures look huge. Oh, cool. I know. It's so cool. Wow. Uh, the writer, Thea von Harbaugh and Fritz Lang were married at the time. However, in 1933, she joined the Nazi party and Lang and her separated. Uh, well, Lang came to America and von Harbaugh stayed in Germany to make Nazi films. Yes. The Nazi party was famously a huge fan of this film. Yeah. Uh, Hitler tried to get Fritz Lang to stay yeah, behind. Yeah, and then he bounced. <laughs> I think he, was, he, he had a meeting with him. Or maybe it was Garbles or something. And then Garbles. on his way there, he just like got in a car, went to the airport, and, and amazing. came to America. That's like Sound of Music style. Yeah. The film was met with mixed reviews upon release. Famously, H.G. Wells called it foolishness. Yeah. <laughs> the long run time, uh, originally 153 minutes, was panned, and the film was chopped up several times. UFA, the German production company, I think it's kind of like German BBC. I think it's just pronounced UFA, actually. No, it's not. No, I'm pretty sure it is. I don't think so. I've heard people say UFA. You're lying. No, I'm serious. I can't tell. No, I am serious. But it's an acronym. Yeah, but I've heard. Maybe it's like, I don't know. I'm sure you could say it either way. Anyway, (laughs) I think it's like the German BBC. Um, They had a distribution deal with Paramount and MGM. They shortened it. And then the German version was shortened. Uh, Then the Nazis censored it. And then after all of this, it ended up being 91 minutes. The scenes that were cut are everything with Hell, who is the mother of Frieder that the bad guy Rotbang's in love with. They got rid of her completely because they thought that her name sounded too much like Hell. (laughs) The Americans. On this episode of Dumbing Things Down for America, uh, the Thin Man and Josephat, do you know that scene that they have? That was cut. Um, The Worker 11811, that was cut. Like oh, him, yeah, yeah. That, that's such a good scene. Well, hell, actually, I just looked it up. Hell in German is hell. It means hell. So why yeah. was her name hell? <laughs> Sounds like quite a woman. <laughs> what a hellion she I was. I mean, this movie kind of hates women. So yeah. <laughs> in 1984, music producer. I'm almost done. I swear. In 1984, Giorgio Moroder. Giorgio Moroder outbid David Bowie for the rights to record a new score for Metropolis. But he decided to turn it into a restoration project as well. And until 2001, when a major restoration was undertaken, this was the most complete version of the film, uh, Marauder's version. However, it got really poor reviews, even Razzie nominations. But now it has a cult following. Does it really? Yeah. 
Have you seen it? You know what? I have not. I want to. I'm sure I would dig it. Do you think? He colorizes parts of it and has that pounding Giorgio Moroto like synth score. Yeah. So I, I would I'm watch sure it. I, would, oh, I, I would like be him. Down. Yeah, me too. Okay, so in 2008, a print of what was believed to be Lang's full film was found in a film museum in Buenos Aires. It was a 16 millimeter safety reduction negative of the original in case the 35 millimeter caught fire. And it went to a film collector, eventually ended up in this museum. There was 25 minutes of never before seen footage. This combined with a print found in Australia, which also had some never seen, never before seen footage, Gave us the complete Metropolis, uh, which was recorded with the original score. The only scenes that were damaged beyond repair are when Rotbang and Friedersen fight and when the priest gives his sermon on the pulpit in the cathedral. And my so, last... oh, So ahead. it's not the complete Metropolis then? Well, it's as complete as it could be. Mm. I know exactly what you're going to say. <laughs> no, sorry. Go ahead. Your last thing. The film is now in public domain in case anyone cares. Oh, yes. You know uh, what just went into the public domain is Steamboat Willie. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you can use Mickey Mouse's likeness from Steamboat Willie without... No way. Yeah. How is that possible, though? A hundred years or whatever. I know, yeah. but I thought if someone is still around, like, can't... Like, if well, he's a company, not. But, like... His company and uh, you know, I'm not quite sure how it. all those copyright laws work, but I think after a certain time they just go in. Like there's nothing you can do about it. Good. Disney can deal. Like <laughs> they can fucking deal with it. That's funny. I the reason I said I know what you're gonna say is because I feel like you're gonna bring up the fact that I don't think that greed is a real movie. <laughs> You cannot compare this to that. You can. No, you can't. You can. There's two scenes missing from this. Greed is most scenes missing. No. Like a third. No, no, it's half. It's over half. (laughs) I remember it being over half. Yeah, but the difference, I don't know. More of that film is missing, but the really, really, really grainy beat up 16 millimeter footage in this is very jarring too. It is, but it's only a few scenes. But this is like... With silent films and with a lot of films made before a certain time, like you do just kind of have to accept that restorations are cobbling different elements together from different prints. And you kind of, you know, again, when Fritz Lang premiered this film, it was not jarring. It all flowed and it was one cohesive thing. It's not that way anymore and it never will be. So you can't really hold it against the movie, Jackie, if certain parts of it are lost to time. What if most of the movie is lost? (laughs) Most of Greed is not lost. Yeah, it is. No. (laughs) Anyway, listen to our episode on Greed. If if you want to hear Jackie call a movie not a real movie. It's not a real movie. Sorry. Because some of it is lost to time. Some? And the thing with Greed, too, is that they use photos from the set to... That are like, freaking zooming in like I'm on iMovie. <laughs> it's a Ken Burns documentary. Exactly. Yeah, but you still get the essence of like the whole picture of that Not film. Not really. <laughs> Sorry. Not a real movie. Not a real I movie. I think we should throw in the towel with greed. Like, I think we should just accept that it's a lost movie. Um, No, I don't think so. I think it's a great film. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word. Uh, that movie, wasn't the lady in that also named Maria? The may- one who maybe. all her scenes are lost. Like it is just a picture of her. Maybe. I, I don't really remember. <laughs> that was how many movies ago? Long time. <laughs> yeah, a long time. Why don't you go? Why don't you start initial thoughts this time? I, it's You know, I was trying to come up with initial thoughts for this and it was very hard. Did you have a similar 
feeling. Um, <laughs> wait, was this your f- no? Was this your first time? This is my seeing second it? time seeing it. Okay, both times I've seen it at home. Uh huh. And I would absolutely love to see this in a theater. I think that sounds really, really fun. Who was talking to us? Someone was talking to me about seeing this in a theater, and it sounds really fun. Yeah, I mean, what can I say? This is movie magic in its purest form. Uh, it's a giant. It's handmade. It's I love watching it. But it, you know how I feel about silent films, like it, and I feel the same with this one. It's like, except Joan, except Joan of Arc. I would never sit. I would never choose to watch this movie. Like if I'm just gonna watch a movie at night, I would never say like I'm gonna I'm gonna watch Metropolis tonight. <laughs> that's just how I am. I think that's just how I am with silent movies. I don't know why I'm like this. Yeah. I sound like a philistine, but like explain, elaborate. I can't. I just don't know what it is. I'm maybe I just didn't watch enough of them when I was young. I mean, I didn't really either. You would sit and say like, okay, for tonight's movie, I'm watching Metropolis. I mean, I have. Have you? Yeah, this is not my first time. I think that Metropolis is Wizard of Oz for boys. Hmm. Hmm. That's my hot take. Okay. Okay. I really like it. Right. <laughs> no, I'm like, I'm like going back and forth. What are these initial thoughts, Jackie? These Clarify. These initial thoughts are so weird. Bring it it's together. Just, it's my feelings kind of remain the same about silent film. That's so I really like it. I really love studying it. I enjoy it. I love watching this movie. Would I ever say like, you know what? Today I'm going to watch Metropolis. No. I love the image of like going to a video (laughs) rental store and picking out a silent film. And there's a blurb on the cover from you. And it says in quotes, silent films are not real films. (laughs) That is not what I said at all. Silent films are amazing. I love watching them for the first time. For the first time. I don't like them. I like picking them apart. Mm. I really do. They're 100% real movies. They are the purest movies. But you said outside of Joan of Arc, you wouldn't pull any off the shelf like for an evening's entertainment. I wouldn't. And that's fair. That's totally your prerogative. Yeah. I don't I don't watch them that often. I, I really like them. I mean the good ones. I like the good yeah, ones. Yeah, I love discovering them. I right. love watching them for the first time. But after I've seen one once, hmm. I don't really feel the need to like watch it again. You mean you don't just have Caligari on constant rotation <laughs> at your house? No. <laughs> I feel like my feelings are gonna change. I feel like not that I'm very young, but I You're feel like young. once I'm old, er <laughs> my feelings will probably change. I just feel like I have so much to watch that when I watch a silent film, it's more for study. It's more for homework. Mm, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. Interesting. It was a very long <laughs> initial thought. Hey, that's fine. Uh, so, as you can see, I have a Metropolis poster it's so on my cute. wall. It's so cute. I love it. So... Let me say Is this. Is that like vintage or? No, it's not. Just Etsy. Standard. No, it's pre-Etsy. I've had Red that. Redbubble? No, it's pre-Redbubble. <laughs> I've had that for. Society 6. No, it's pre-all those. I think I got it. There's a record store, or there was. I think it's gone now in the Bay Area called Rasputin Music. Oh, you know Rasputin. There was one. There used to be one in Fresno. I think they all closed. I think exactly. they're all done. They're all, they're kaput. But I got that there in like probably 2008 or something. How do you know that? Because I, I just remember where I was in my life when what? I got that. 
I saw this for the first time. So normally I say I saw a film for the first time 10 years ago. I saw this film 15 to 20 years ago. It's probably just, I think I was in high school still. I might have just graduated. Um, You know, big sci-fi fan. And it's an iconic film. Um, It's still pretty have revered in the sci-fi film genre. And so I saw it and I remember this was actually, this is when the complete Metropolis was brand new. So mm-hmm. Kina Lorber had just put out a Blu-ray. Yeah. And so I just bought the Blu-ray. I'm like, good. I get to see like as complete as possible. 2008. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah. So that's when I first saw it. So I was in awe. The first yeah. time I saw this, I was beside myself too, because I think this was, I mean, 2008, I'd seen some Chaplin and I'd seen shit. Actually, I don't know that I'd seen much silent stuff at that point. A little bit. I'd seen like Unchained Andalou and stuff (laughs) in school. But um, this was still an early silent film for me. And a lot of those, like the Chaplin stuff and whatever, like they're a little... I'm watching my words carefully here. I'll just say that Metropolis is sort of more vivid than those films. Especially I'm thinking of... It's expressionist and it's... You know, um, I'm thinking of the scene where she's doing all the dancing and there's all these cool over double, oh God, triple incredible. exposures with eyes and dancing. And it blew my mind it's, when I yeah. first saw it. And also the score by Hoopertz. Uh-huh. Incredible. It's so good. Incredible. It's it is beautiful. I need to say this is a great, great, great I score. Agree. However, as that poster has hung on my wall for, you know, 15 plus years, I have not seen it. In that time. See? Okay, so I'm not crazy. (laughs) You don't... You're sitting here pretending you have like a monocle and every night you watch a silent film and I'm just this like... Philistine who doesn't understand. No, you know what? The general I've put on many times just for entertainment. So like the Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin stuff I'll kind of throw on. So you've only seen this once before this? Yeah, yeah. But like it was so vivid in my mind. And it's funny because watching it to prepare for this episode, I hadn't seen it in so long. And I don't like it as much. (laughs) Oh my God. I don't like it as much. I think I forgot a lot of this movie. Like for, for a movie, it was like, oh yeah, Metropolis. And I had it clear in my head. There's a whole middle section that I forgot even happened. I think it's too big and broad. I think it is. I see what H.G. Wells is talking about. I think... Foolishness? I don't... It is kind of foolish. Are you going to take down this poster? I'll leave it up for now because (gasps) it's a striking poster. But it's kind of stupid. I cannot... This is not how I thought today's episode was going to go. kind of stupid. Plot-wise, I think the movie is stupid. I think think visually it's fantastic. Yes. Uh, The sound, the music, gorgeous. You're right. Well, I think, too, the problem is that it's just so... um, It's too long. Yeah, I agree. I think it's too long. long. And I was so exhausted by the end because it's just like spectacle for the sake of spectacle. There's that scene um, when Maria's first taken, and then we see Frieder. He try. He's like chasing after her, trying to find her. Yes. He, we see him open like a million fucking doors in this room, like yeah. looking for her. And like we don't need to see all of that. Yeah. And her acting in that scene is like really funny. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I know. I I get it. But like, still, it's really funny. Yeah. So look. I'm kind of at a crossroads with this because the spectacle is great. And I do love the, of course, the expressionist look is incredible. 
the the establishing shots of the city, all that stuff are so cool. But the story is just kind of stupid. And the ultimate message and the The way that it ends on this title card, like the hand and the heart. And exactly what is the message is my is my question that there will always be blue collar and white collar and they just have to like learn how to live with each other. Yeah, exactly. They just need a mediator. What does that mean? I think too, it's it's (laughs) maybe trying to be slightly I was gonna say anti-capitalist, but I feel like that's not it's totally 100... anti-capitalist. But, but, but like, not, but like, he still gets to do his thing in the end. Like, he... they still know their place beneath the surface of the. Peterson gets away. Like, maybe yeah. if he didn't get away, yeah. I feel different. The... Like, maybe if he died, which, you yes. know, he should have been burned at the stake. Yes, the ending of this movie is preposterous. It's a little prepo- and like, what happens to Rutbung? Why is he going crazy? Well, like, why With is he love? chasing her on the? What's happening? He's going. He's gone crazy with love. But like his but whole end, plot. I know it's so big. The end exactly. is so big, and his yeah, and it's so. The flood is so long. The I flood know. is really long. I know. But also now we're just like talking about the plot. But like, what was Rotbang's whole thing about? Like, oh, I don't understand the whole Rotbang. Like, she answers to my will. Oh, they don't know, but she's actually she answers to my will. What is what? How? No. Right. What is? Right, oh, I, right. don't I don't understand that. I don't that. know either. Yeah. I right. Don't, I don't know. He's like, I'm going to destroy Friederson and his son. But it's like, no, you're doing exactly what Friederson said. He wanted them to have an uprising so he could punish them. Friederson gets exactly what he wants. Right. Right. You're. Yeah. It's totally right. I think the plot is kind of yeah. It's like very righteous and religious, and it's misogynistic. It's mm-hmm. like women can only be either like saints or, or complete animals. Yeah. Like, <laughs> It's kind of crazy. And yeah. her name is Maria. Like, it It reminded me of, you know, in Marriage Story, like, that f- hilarious speech that Laura Dern gives about our, like, Christian, Judeo, like, m- uh, Mary is perfect. Like, she's a virgin and she gives birth. Like, I was just like, that was like playing in my head yeah, while I was totally. watching it. I was like, really? Her name's Maria? Totally. And she's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I mean, <laughs> literally the writer... Is a Nazi, so she's a Nazi exactly. You get some of that, you know, like you 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 feel some of that energy in this movie. In what way? In the way you were saying, like this righteousness and just like this, it's just you feel all of that kind of. It's baked into the movie, and I think yeah. it's kind of inescapable. Yeah, and it's like slap on some black eyeshadow, and you got a villain. Like yeah. it's like really funny. Well, it is so interesting. Like I, yeah, I don't. When he's in church and there's like the church, even though that scene is cut, that we it's lost. But he's like, oh, I wasn't scared of death, but now I am because I'm in love. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just fucking, it's, a, it's pretty ham-fisted. I, it's so hammy. Although I will say I want someone to like say goodbye to me in the way that he did, like touch my hand that way. <laughs> like I thought that was very romantic. <laughs> I would love that. Um, well, it's important to know that in Fritz Lang's career, he was coming off like Dynebelungen. So he had just done these epic fantasy films. Mm-hmm. So this makes sense as his next step, but it's pretty wild that just, a, you know, five years later or whatever, or no, four, three, four years later, he would do M, yeah. which is a study in economy it's and, and uh, simplicity. Yeah. And this film is so over fucking blown. But I like, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm for it. Like I'm for expressionism 
And we'll talk about that a little bit. I don't have any problem with like the visual, um, the massive visuality of this movie. No, I don't have a problem with it's that the at length. All. It's how long it's things are stretched out. Um, where it just feels really long. You're so right. And also like, I don't understand, but I will say, I don't understand the geography because like, he fought there's that elevator right you see the workers going down and that's great like the yeah. opening's incredible but then when he's going to the underground he doesn't take an elevator he right. just like goes downstairs the in a red <laughs> yeah yeah so i don't know now I'm, now i'm nitpicking but well do you know fritz long said later he was like all that hand and heart and crap head stuff like that was that much was of crap. all her yeah he was like i don't believe in that yeah yeah. <laughs> I know because even in the Babylon sequence, which I think is really cool, and yeah. I think it's Tower really of Babel. cool. Yeah. yeah yes, yeah, yeah. Tower of Babel, that it gets its own title card and its own little episode in the movie. I think that's super cool. Yeah. And even, but even in that, like one of the title cards is like the, I think I wrote it down, but the hands that built the Tower of Babel knew nothing of the dream of the brain that had conceived it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's always like this thing of like, okay, there's always going to be the smarter person and then the people who are just yeah. laying bricks. Well, like, mm, and who does that sound like? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. But I mean, uh, I don't know. Not to say if you enjoy this film, you're a Nazi. <laughs> Not at all. No. I just like... I don't really think plot-wise it has much going for it. No, no. And I'd forgot, like, again, I'd forgotten the minutia of, like, Frieder being tailed by this guy who's reporting back to his dad. And it's also, like, it's so finicky, that plot. And it could have just been cut up like crazy. Honestly, Which I don't. Which it was. I don't blame them for yeah. cutting the shit out of this movie. Now I actually want to watch the cut version. Yeah. Also, that thin man, he's not thin. Well. Yeah. In what world is that man thin? He's tall and lanky. He's not lanky. He looks muscular. He's tall. He's tall. <laughs> <laughs> like he's credited as the thin man. And in my mind, because I'm reading it after, and it's like the thin man and Joseph out, whatever. I'm like, who's the thin man? I looked him up like that guy. You're that's like, that's not William man. Powell. Exactly. That's a thin man. That's a thin man. Th- yeah. There's this movie though as ground zero for just like film grammar. Like there's that scene with the thin man where he's tailing Frieder and he's the newspaper. Oh yeah, exactly. And he lowers I had the, the newspaper to, to spy on him and then lifts the newspaper back up. I'm like, I've seen that in so many I movies, including Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's in so many. When I was watching it, I was like, this is probably the first time this is happening. Yeah, maybe and maybe not. Because this is 1927. And I feel like I sometimes I go out of my way on these silent episodes we do to point out that at this point, film was a thing for like 30 years already. Like cinema had been around for like basically 30 years. Yeah, but not like long narratives like this. I mean, Intolerance was 1916. Yeah, that was crazy. That was 11 years before this. Wow. Yeah. So I don't know. I. I thought when I saw that shot with the newspaper, I was like, oh, maybe that's the first time. And then and then afterwards, I was like, oh, I can't say for sure. <laughs> I don't know. Well, that's the thought I had. And plus, what percentage of silent films are, are lost to time? Like, over half, I think. Yeah. I think only if something, I'm pulling this number out of a hat, but I think a third of silent films are the ones that are remaining. So, like, two-thirds are gone forever, yeah. which is crazy. Wait, mm. speaking of, I'm oh, sorry, I have to no. do this. I keep derailing it. If have you seen Dawson City Frozen Time? No. You have to see it. You have to see it. It's, it's 
it's not a documentary per se, but it's a film made by the great uh, Bill Morrison from a few years ago. And sorry, again, I'll make this as quickly as possible. <laughs> but essentially, it's about this town in Alaska where they excavated a bunch of old film prints, silent film prints. Because mm-hmm. what happened was the studios, basically, they would send out film prints and they would tour the country and mm-hmm. they would go in this certain path. And because Alaska, you know, the, the final frontier, it they'd be the last stop. Right. And then they didn't want the film prints back because it would be too much of a burden to send them back. So it would keep them. Oh my God. And then so they had so many film prints that they would just... I'm. There was like a high school pool. They just threw all these prints in the pool. They buried prints. So just recently, they thawed the ground and they excavated all these prints. But the the movie's fascinating because it reconstructs silent films that have never been seen. It constructs. It's also about like the history of the town. And it's really, really fascinating and hypnotic and just that's so cool for anyone who even has a passing interest in silent film. If you haven't seen. Dawson City, Frozen Time. Huge recommendation. Wow. Really, really good. That's awesome. Sorry, what were you saying before Why would that? they throw them in the pool, though? There was something about, like, maybe they were, like, burying the pool. They were, like, sealing the pool up. Oh. And so they just threw all the prints in there. It was something like that. I need to see it again, but wow. it's really incredible. Yeah. I feel like we. this episode is divided into us, like, talking about everything that's kind of crazy. <laughs> and then we are going to talk about everything that's great. But and on the crazy note, I thought it was really hilarious when they're like when they find the kids. Right. First of all, I think the kid I think that's incredible. Having all those extras like that's incredible. They're like kiss in the within the 500 children surrounding them. And they're like kissing like that's beautiful. Temple of Doom also. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. But when they're like, where are your fathers and mothers? And then it cuts to the workers like dancing around a fire. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's hilarious to me. <laughs> like I cracked up. They are debauched I now. I cracked up. And then it happened again. Someone said on the when they're above in the city, someone said like, why are all the lights out? And it cuts again to the workers dancing around the fire. Yeah. And I was just cracking up. Yeah. Like that's hilarious. <laughs> That's film grammar, honestly. Yeah, yeah. But it was funny to me. Well, speaking of inspirations, how could you not think of Titanic also? Like during the flooding, and then also when they get yeah. to that gate and he's trying to get through the gate. I just thought when of, Maria is leading all of them. No, when Frieder gets to the gate and he's like trying to open it. Which it reminded gate? me of Leo. Yes, 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 yes. It's this gate at the top of the stairs. During the flood? It's during the flood, but where <laughs> it's not flooding at that gate at that moment, but. I still thought of Titanic. Yeah, totally. And then, like, obviously, you see this in Blade Runner. Like, you see the yes. sky and uh, poor things. Poor things, sure. Definitely I mean, yeah, poor yeah. things. Like, yeah. even from the trailer of Poor Things, I was like, "Wow, that's Metropolis." Like the mm. the whole like the body being mind transferred. The mm, mm-hmm. the like whatever she's in the tube. Yeah, sure. No, I yeah. see that. No, a hundred percent Frankenstein. Also, yeah. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> <laughs> Although that book was already written at it this was, point. It was, it was. What's more impressive, the lab in this movie or the lab in the 1931 Frankenstein? Um, this movie, I, I think, think. I think so, too. I think they're do- they're doing more things. Like, yeah. There's more lights and spinning things. And, and it's, like, cleaner. But yes, like, yes. 
it's not sterile, you know? Yeah, because, like, the Frankenstein lab is kind of dingy. Oh, this is futuristic. Musty. Apparently, this is supposed to be set in 2026, but that's, like, not confirmed anywhere. Whoa, we're almost there, huh? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's so funny when you, like, see that. Is it the best was, like, Back to the Future. Oh, yeah. When we thought... 2015? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so still funny. waiting for that hoverboard. I'm still waiting for people to start wearing two ties. I guess what they did to the shoes that self-tie, they yeah. made those. But there was something about like they released it, but then they didn't self-tie. And if you wanted them to self-tie, you had to wait another year and then you could buy a motor that was released so that would funny. do it or something. <laughs> Wild. Okay, like I guess let's talk about all the good things now. Yeah, let's talk about the good things. There's 10 hours on the clocks. Ten, yes. ten hour days? Ten hour shifts. Ten hour shifts. Oh, ten hour, ten hour shifts. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And it only took one of those shifts for him to say, like, that's it. <laughs> what kind of <laughs> crazy fucking job is that anyway? Oh, my God. It's so funny. You know what that machine looks like? The one where he has to match the arrows? Do you know what jumping jackpot is at, like, arcades? Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. It's just like jumping jackpot. <laughs> That's right. Oh, but my God. No, I mean, there's like full on. I mean, I absolutely love the expressionism in this movie, this like formal weirdness. And it's a mixture of like architecture and art deco and sculpture. And it's creating mm-hmm. fantasy. And this movie is just like so playful. And I love that about it. Yeah, like full on fantasy sequences when he's doing that. When it's his shift, it turns into a clock like it kind of morphs into a clock. Yeah. The way the workers are just like moving mechanically before he imagines the whole cave of death. Apparently that's called, um, oh, the Temple of Moloch. Oh, right. No, no, I don't. Apparently it's like from the Bible. It's like, it's where like, I don't know, it's like sacrificial. It's very Temple of Doomy, actually. Yeah. But that's also with the Shuftan effect. Yeah, like, I just, I love these sequences. I love his descent into, like, madness, where he pictures her, I don't know if she is actually doing all those things, or he's picturing her, the dance, like, Maria's dance. Right, yeah, yeah. And uh, the eyeballs, yeah, incredible. Well, see, everything you're mentioning is why I think I'm going to like the Giorgio Morato one more. because Maybe because it's it cut would, all the Yeah, that. I think it would lean into some of the... Probably. I think this movie's at its best, like you said, when it's being playful and kind of wild and almost surreal. Like it is so surreal. That's when it's at its best because I feel like this movie is is bogged down by too much like logistical stuff and like you get to this point and you get here and you get here and then you follow him. I'm like, I don't fucking care. That's yeah. too much shit going on. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like yeah, I don't know. I really want to see that. Like version. I love the de- when it's also when he's like falling into his. I don't even know what you want to call it. Fit. He's having a fit. And um, (laughs) (laughs) the statues from church come to life. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, that's really, really cool. The seven deadly sins. Seven deadly sins and death coming alive. I think that's really, really cool. It's all on the nose. Slow walk. I know it's on the nose, but it That's like what it's going for, yeah. Yeah. It's not subtle at all. (laughs) It's not subtle at all. Even compared to like, because silent films, a lot of people who don't really watch silent films think that they're really, really obvious, but there's so many that are subtle and nuanced, nuanced. and stuff. So for this, this is actually like a pretty obvious movie. Oh, yeah. I love how small they look in the city, like when they're yeah. running in the city. I think that's incredible. Seeing the workers, I love when the dad has that piece of paper that is showing like the catacombs, but then over the piece of paper is you see 
the workers actually walking in right. the catacomb. It's like, I don't know, double exposure or something. Yeah. yeah, the Tower of Babel part is great. I love even the credits, like, going down for the workers. They're going down. I mean, not the credits, the, like, title cards. They're, like, moving down when it's talking about the workers, but yeah. they're up when it's talking about the Suns Club. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really cool. And in that Suns Club, those women, like, one of them's, like, fully not wearing a bra. And oh, I was yeah. like, whoa. Yeah, it's Germany in the it 20s. It was cool. It's like yeah. Weimar era. So I don't know. Like, I think, yeah, like I said, I think this is Wizard of Oz for boys. Yeah. I love that Eternal Garden, too. That garden is pretty... Uh, oh, it's cool. The fetch. Suns Club. Yeah. <laughs> The way he's running at the start. <laughs> yeah. His face. Well, speaking of that, so yeah, I didn't know about this technique. Um, but that establishing shot of the Suns Club when they're like running and they just have the gigantic walls and stuff. I genuinely watching it, I'm like, how did they do this? Because yeah. usually if it's like a matte painting, you can tell where the set ends and then like the painting begins. But mm-hmm. I was like having a hard time. Yeah. I was like, that looks great. I think it's that Schuften effect. Right. No, I'm sure it yeah. is. Yeah. It looks really, really good. It's so cool. And uh, yeah, I love. Even like there's a scene with Frieder where he's in bed. When, <laughs> when he's going crazy. When he's going crazy. And like it's a subtle touch, but like he has these super art deco like lamps on the bedside yeah. table. Yeah, yeah. That are really cool. Yeah, I mean, everything. You said it Blade Runner, Brazil, every fucking sci fi movie after this, like absolutely owes credit to Metropolis. I think that visually it's just fantastic, but. Yeah. It's funny though. I mean, I guess like every sci-fi film is a parable for the modern age, but like this film at the end of the day, it's almost hard to call it sci-fi. It's almost more of a fantasy. I'd say so. Right? It's not really sci okay, the machine man, I guess, is like the only real science-y. It's like poor things. Like, would you call poor things sci-fi? No, no. No, it's fantasy. Yeah, it's almost more fantasy, right? I totally agree. I think it's just because it was set so far in the future when it was like made, I guess. Yeah. It's like the way that Blade Runner set in the future. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm shocked right now. Wait, why are you shocked? Because I thought this was one of your favorite movies of all time. (laughs) No, no, it's not. I mean, like I said, the first time I saw it, I was like really, really taken with it. And now I'm just, again, it's... This is what I love about uh, art and life, you know, as you as you age, your relationship to art changes. And uh, sometimes you fall in love with things that you didn't like before. It's the opposite. Sometimes you feel the same way. It's like, it's just uh, our relationships to things shift over time. Do you think this is essential viewing? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it's essential viewing. But I'm going to say something scandalous. You, wait, I don't think we mentioned the number on the side and sound Oh, list. my God, I didn't. Oh, my goodness. It's number 35 on the 2012 list, and it's number 67 on the 2002 list. Wait, 2022, right? Yeah. <laughs> Let me say that one more time. 35 on 2012, 67 on 2022. So it's falling. It's falling. Uh, again, look, I don't know I that it I should be on movie. 100. I don't know if... 100 is tight you know what i mean like 100 is like cutthroat but you just said every sci-fi movie is inspired by this yeah but you know because it established a certain grammar for a, a movie that looks this way you yeah, know what i, I mean it it's like on the list i mean i just don't know i don't think its ideas are very good i don't think they are either and i don't think that the movie has anything interesting to say 
And I think what it does have to say is kind of shallow and just... Nazi! Yeah. <laughs> so, like... You know, it's so funny. And have it's you too seen long. Have you seen Town, the musical? I have not. No. So, basically... Hades Town is underground. It's Hades. It's like the underworld. Mm-hmm. And you like go down there and you are this I mean it's not really spoilers, but you go down there, you so, you sell your soul away essentially and you go down there <laughs> to work forever, but you never feel hunger, you never feel pain, you never feel anything. In return, you work forever. Oh god. It's crazy, but then it is very much, it's like way down Hades Town. We're going down there to like work. And so, like, I'm sure it was taken from this movie as well. Yeah. I can um, I just say how delighted I am that you put a spoilers tag on front of a musical, in front of a stage musical. It's not a spoiler. That's the plot. No, of no, I Hades know. Hades Town. I know. It's just, I got in an endearing way. It's. <laughs> Hades Town is incredible. Hades Town no, is know. probably I, my favorite show that I've ever seen. I've heard great things, and I remember when I went to New York, you were like, "You got to see Hades Town," and it was very high in the list. But I went to see the David Byrne show instead because I was like, "You can only see David Byrne once. I could see Hades Town <laughs> you later. You can, but, but not yeah. the original cast. I know. So yes, even Broadway musicals, I feel, are being inspired by this, or at least that one. I'm sure more than just that. But the message of Hades Town is so much better. Well, let me ask you this: Your time at Wizard of Oz. Do you think the Wizard of Oz film from ten years later was inspired by this at all? Probably. I think so. And the, the design of Emerald City and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. Uh, mod on to that. <laughs> <laughs> mod on to that. I think we can agree that Wizard of Oz is the better film. I think. It's criminal that Wizard of Oz isn't on the list. Yeah, well, it's funny because we you talked you brought that up like our intro to this podcast like two years ago. Like you were like, it feels crazy that Wizard of Oz isn't on here. I agree, it should be. Okay, I just double checked. Wizard of Oz is one hundred eight on the two thousand twenty two list. Oh, so it's like it's oh, it's getting close. I feel like it will be like very soon. Interesting. But it's, sho- it's still shocking to me that it wasn't on it in 2012. And Yeah, yeah. I know. It's wild. It's a great film. Yeah. It's a great film. Should we do Sight and Sound? Let's do Sight and Sound. I think we're there. Yeah. What's your favorite sight? Okay, so mine's combined. <laughs> well, then I'll go first. I'll do my sight. Okay. Um, my favorite sight, I have two. One of them, this is a cheat, of course, but it's like this first establishing shots of the city. Mm. All the miniature cars I and trains. Know. Come on. Do you like how the light comes on for the car as yes. it's going down? The street light like comes on. Yes. So weird. I know. It's so I elaborate. love it. Beautiful. Um, and also, my second one is just when the machine man is being burned at the stake. Because it's the two things, right? It's like this shiny, glossy thing from the future and burning at the stake, which you associate with like witchcraft and exactly. stuff from the Middle Ages, and so these, the That's juxtaposition so cool. of those two eras, I thought was like really cool. That's really cool. I never thought about it like that. I also think it's really funny that it's called the Machine Man, but it's like such a woman, you know? I think that, I think they're just again, you know. I think <laughs> no, it's interesting. Like it's not it, that that wasn't like a bash. It's just like yeah, it is a Machine Man, but it just so happened to take. The appearance of this woman for most of the movie. Yeah, I, I don't even know that they heard they had the word robot back then. I think that might it be was, might yeah. be newer than that. I could be wrong. No, yeah, you're right. 
And just, yeah, let's think about like the design of the robot because what robots existed before this? Like, I feel like this was almost like, and also, wait a second, the machine man has boobs. I just realized. Yes. But why is he called Machine because Man? Because that was just in the same way that, no, no, you know, I get it. I totally get mankind, it. Mankind. I totally get thing. it. I totally get it. 1920. I just looked it up. 1920, the word robot was Interesting. first used. But w- this likeness of a robot, of yeah. like a metal man like this. You know where I think it comes first from? One? I think it comes from the golem, the Jewish. Uh, oh. Me- I think it comes from that, which was made of clay. Mm. I'm totally pulling that out of a hat. I could be wrong. But you're right. But like, I feel like something this, that they bring of, to life. Yeah. Mo- but in terms of movie robots, like before this, there was Dergolem from, I think, oh. the early 20s. Did it look like this machine man at all? No, it was bulkier and it was made of clay. Mm. Well, from 1920. Yeah, it was from 1920. That looks nothing like this. <laughs> But that's what I mean. I feel yeah, like yeah. this robot has been almost a standard for robots to come. I think you're right. Right? This kind of like metal and gold. I mean, yeah. even look at the fucking Star Wars. C3PO. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And I didn't know that she was actually in the suit. Like, I didn't know it was the actress in the suit. That's pretty cool. It's really cool, yeah. actually. Yeah. And for that reason. My favorite sight and sound, it's combined, and it's the moment that the machine man comes to life. Because it's so magical. Like, it's the music, it's the way she slowly rises, and just knowing that there's a real human being inside that, and I don't know, it gave me, like, tingles. It's movie magic. Let's hear it. It's a. It's just. It's really cool. Yeah. It's candy for my eyes and ears. What a moment, too! I think it's like it's such an iconic scene that everyone has seen, literally, because it, it shows up in clip shows and, and things. But like, still, when you watch the film in the context of the film, like it's I get always powerful. Bumps. Yeah, yeah. And I know there were so many sides to choose. Like this movie's gorgeous, but we just had to go with that. Nice. I sign off on that. Thank you. Uh, for my sound, I mean, it's the fu- it's the incredible score the for score this. Is so good. We played the main theme at the top, so I'm not going to pick that. But there's the secondary theme that kind of plays. I don't know if it's like the theme of the underground of like the mm. uprising, but uh, here's a little clip. It's kind of a flamboyant theme that I enjoy. <laughs> Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I just like it. It's fun. It's good stuff. 
And again, how special that we have the score for the film. Like That's this so is important. the original yeah, score exactly. that they would play live. That's really important. Um, because most silent films, like we just did the general a few weeks ago, and like with the general, that great score by Carl Davis was made in the eighties. Yeah. So it's like so far removed from yeah. when the film was released. And it's it works beautifully, but like, yeah, this score's great. It's like really I want to go to like a Hollywood Bowl screening of this movie with like live orchestra. Oh, yeah, me too. That would be incredible. Modern. Do they do that? If For Metropolis? Don't. I don't know. We that, should start it. I don't know that the bowl does it. The bowl tends to do Star more Wars. basic stuff. It's like Star Wars, Sound of Music, great stuff. Oh, but I love like, the Sound of Music sing along because they have to know that they're going to sell it out. You know, yeah. and I think I don't know if that they would with Metropolis. That's but true. There are places like if the LA Symphony might do like Metropolis. I think the LA Symphony does um, Vampire, the Carl oh, Dreyer yeah. film. So wasn't so, was it Lucet telling us that they do it at the old theaters? For which movie? Silent films. Oh, yeah, yeah. They do it at the old theaters, right? What do you mean by old theaters? <laughs> like the old Broadway theaters in L.A. I think those are all shuttered, though. <clears throat> no, they do stuff You're talking there. about like the L.A. theater? Yeah, like the Million Dollar Theater. Someone was saying the Million Dollar Theater does... Oh, yeah, I think you're right. Yes. It was the same, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think it was. Yeah. No, you're right. That I want to go to. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think this movie's important. Like, I think it should be on the list. Plot-wise, thin, but, like, it's just kind of magical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really think that the Giorgio Moroder one will be my favorite. I want to watch it. But then you lose this amazing score. Oh, the score is so good. Yeah. Well, Pauline, yeah. and I do have to say that when I read Pauline's review... I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Pauline Kale said about the film, she starts off by saying, H.G. Wells called this German silent quite the silliest film. Hitler was so impressed by the conception that many years later, he tried unsuccessfully to persuade its director, Fritz Lang, to make Nazi movies. One of the last examples of the imaginative but often monstrous grandeur of the golden period of the German film Metropolis is a spectacular example of expressionist design with moments of almost incredible beauty and power, like the visionary sequence about the Tower of Babel. Mm -hmm. Absurd ineptitudes, like the lovesick hero and his preposterous knickerbockers. <laughs> yeah, they're so funny. And oddities that defy analysis, like the robot vamp's bizarre lewd wink. <laughs> Last sentence. It's a wonderful, stupefying folly. I so agree. I'm like, yes, it is wonderful. It is stupefying. And it ultimately does not completely work. Sh uh, I don't know. I just feel like I have no right to say this movie doesn't work. <laughs> it's true. That's how As I a feel. critic, Jackie, you do. Mm. Is this film successful? I mean, yeah. I think. So, as a film, like maybe not as a narrative. Well, it, it but it's a narrative <laughs> film. You're right. I really don't like the ending. The ending is so bad. It's bad. It's bad. Yeah. But I think, like, uh, I forgive it. I think I forgive it. Yeah. Like I said, would never sit down and watch it. But 
No, I mean, I wholeheartedly recommend this film. I just don't think it's a great film. I think, well, okay. I I think it has so many wonders Mm -hmm. and it's so impressive to watch. And so much about it is so off the rails that it works really well. But ultimately, as a whole, I don't think that it works. I don't think that it's entirely successful. That's what I'll say. One thing I forgot to mention that I love is when the worker that trades place with, um, what's his name? (laughs) Frieder? Yes. The worker that trades place with Frieder, um, when he's in the cat and he's in the car and that woman like throws brochures at him and then it turns into this flood of brochures and he imagines what his life is going to be like as this rich guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I absolutely love that. No, those are the moments where the movie really, really works. Fantasy, delusional, crazy, expressionist sequences. Like, I love that. Yeah, this movie's a big swing. Yeah. Like, in all fairness to Fritz Long. And I'm, it's interesting. I was just talking to my friend about this recently, um, Gary, about how Fritz Long is known as this like, great great filmmaker but really his big two are this and m yeah and like he went on to make movies into the 50s maybe even the 60s maybe even the 70s i don't i don't remember but with with some success and some not success right like you know he's not one of those filmmakers who churned out masterpiece after masterpiece so like he's taking a big swing here and i always appreciate a big swing because i prefer a big swing and a miss than something that plays it safe and has no ambition. And so I do think this is kind of a swing and a miss, but the miss is just so grand, like Mm. that you can't help again, exactly what Pauline Kael said. Like I completely endorse that. I sign off on. I think I'd have to think about if I think the movie overall works or not. It is. It's just, it's really funny. The like robot sex pot. Maria (laughs) is like really funny. She's crazy. Her arm movements are like, she's crazy. But I don't have a problem with that so much as I do with, like, everything we talked about and all the, you know. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I'm going to come out and, for the record, say I don't know. Don't know if it works. I think it's, I, I agree with Pauline. I agree with everything she's saying. But I don't think that I can definitively say whether or not it works. Right. And I don't know why that is. I don't know if I'm just indecisive or I just, it's such a giant of cinema that I like physically can't say that. <laughs> Otherwise they're going to come for you, Jackie. Oh my God. I'm going to get, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Watching this movie is kind of like going to a Chuck E. Cheese. Explain. <laughs> I don't know. I was just trying to say something outrageous. Explain. And also, um, yeah, this whole like his mom, the statue of his mom, hell, and like yeah. that guy's house is like pretty creepy. I love the look of his house. How it's, it's just like so this weird. How it's house old, and yeah, it's really tall in and... the middle of Metropolis. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I mean, obviously, yeah. The cathedral chase for me is like. I don't know. Now I feel like we're babbling. Yeah. <laughs> Should we do letterbox? Oh, letterbox, right. Here's a five-star review that says, A total ray gun gothic dream where the scope is as deep and piercing as any epic being released today, the likes of which I've only been exposed to in films like Blade Runner, for which this film is understandably influenced that won a shit ton. Wow. 
Uh, five stars. Oh, wait. That's... Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it may be silent, but you can feel the weight of every steam alarm, every light flickering, every drop of water. It's physically... It's physicality and mania are totally exhausting, but in the best way possible, in what I imagine was Fritz Long's intention. I can only imagine what this is like in a theater. I agree. I love total ray gun gothic dream. That's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah, for sure. You got it. Five stars for a silent film. It sure had a lot to say. <laughs> Did it though? I mean, sure. It has a lot on its mind. Yeah. It's just, is it saying it well? And is what it's saying of any value? I don't know that it is. Three and a half stars. They hate to see a devilish girl bossified robot winning. <laughs> oh yeah, I saw that one. Someone wrote, why Frieder look like he's 40? <laughs> One star. I don't think he looks No, 40. he doesn't. <laughs> I mean, when it first starts, I do feel like that. And yeah, his knickerbockers are very funny. Someone gave it two and a half stars and said, gorgeous to look at, truly. The hype didn't lie there. Really unbelievable in terms of technical achievement. But I think there's a reason why I didn't know anything about this legendary movie going in besides its iconic visuals. Two and a half hours and 17 months of filming for such a mind-numbingly oversimplistic and even condescending message about class relations drawn out in such a boring plot. Yawn. It could have done so much with this beautifully realized world. But instead, this... uh, Watch Battleship Potemkin or literally anything else by Eisenstein or the like instead. <laughs> I like this more than Potemkin. I like this more than Potemkin. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, I think our, I'm scared to ever go back and listen to our, our episode on that movie because yeah. it's like a good movie, but like, I just, yeah, it's just such a homework movie. Yeah. That's like the ultimate homework movie. Ultimate, ultimate. Someone wrote this two and a half star review and it's quite long, but I like what they say about the ending the, they're they're basically bashing like the theme of like classism and class commentary and how it's like really simplistic and then they go on to say the ending makes this all more egregious with Frieder serving as the mediator the heart between the head his villainous father and the hands the people his father works to death come on working class people who are being worked to death and forced to live underground join hands with your oppressor who just tried to drown your children and everything will be okay yeah truly a toothless ending yes <laughs> toothless ending the is funny fuck is up with this ending it's so bad I know. Friederson like, needed to die. I think so too. And also, how did you guys forget your kids? That's my yes. question. Why are you burning Maria? You're the ones that forgot your kids. Yes. Ugh. Totally. Mine got. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> well. This was, this was Metropolis. Metropolis. I wonder if this is a good movie to watch with babies. Do you think they'd like it? Or because there's no color, it'd be hard. No, I got to get, my kids are going to be used to black and white films because I'm just going to play them constantly. <laughs> I mean, same, but like, I don't know. I'm just um, thinking I mean, like sure. the visuals. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of silent films could be great for kids because they're always so, that's what they're relying on is the visuals to yeah. sell the story. So, but yes, this is a spectacular looking movie. It is. There's no debating that. So yeah, this was our interesting, uh, yeah, I feel like we came to an interesting place here. Of we like, agree, though. Yeah, we're on the same page of like, yeah, it's spectacular, but also what? Yeah. <laughs> That's the logline. I agree. <laughs> I don't know. 
But then there's some people like I could totally see myself or someone being like, I don't care about any of that. I'm just so blown away. And because I feel like we've even come to that conclusion for certain films. Like we forgive certain films a lot. Right. A lot more than this. It's true. Maybe because of its stature. I don't know. I think a more modern equivalent of this would be like Terry Gilliam's Baron Munchausen movie Mm. where it's like. Is it completely successful? No, but it's like it goes, it shoots literally for the moon mm. and it's great and mm. inspired and beautiful. And uh, I don't know. Well, next week uh, we'll be back here with a very exciting film full of tension and pulpiness. And yes, I remembered what Night it was. Night of the Hunter. Ooh. Charles Lawton's sole directorial effort, Night of the Hunter, with I'm Robert excited. Mitchum. I'm excited. Which you have publicly stated <laughs> on this podcast before that you thought it was meh. So I thought it was corny. Corny. It well, is corny. But I mean, I guess that's camp or whatever. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so yeah, come back next week because we'll be doing Night of the Hunter and we're gonna we're gonna, you know, Jackie will see the light this time. So uh, maybe I will. <laughs> Until next week, I'm Greg. I'm Jackie. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Special thanks to the patrons at our highest tier, John Pennington and Cynthia Fordwell. Seen and Heard is an official podcast of the Arroyo Film Club. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line, you can find us on email at hello at seenandheardpod.com or on Instagram at seenandheardpod.